a brief explanation of Flower in the Cross. We, we do this every year, and it's a, it's a really cool thing. We get to see something that represented death, and not just death, but like one of the worst deaths there were. Um, Jesus transformed into something beautiful and brought new life. Um, and it's the same thing he does for us. I mean, every time, uh, you know, a new believer comes to the Lord, we, we give him our life, and it's usually a mess. <laughs> and, uh, and he takes and he makes something beautiful out of it. And uh, I love that, you know, during worship, even before worship, we saw just, just a wooden cross that was just bare now, spring to life with all the flowers. And it's just such a beautiful picture that we get to see. And so I want to encourage you, even uh, after the service, I'm going to try not to go too long here. You guys will have time if you want to take pictures. We always use it as a nice backdrop for pictures for Easter. You're welcome to do that. Um, but I just want to I just want to express the the kind of meaning behind it. It is beautiful just to look at, but there's such a deep spiritual meaning behind it that it does. It's what Jesus does for us, and He, he brings new life for us. <laughs> All right. Uh, as I was, as I was, uh, <laughs> you getting a breakfast burrito? We're going to talk about hungering and, and thirst <laughs> shortly. So uh, it's appropriate that you're eating. I will only use you as an example from now on. <laughs> so I, I was, I remembered uh, one of the things, there's lots of things to hate about Facebook, but there's some cool things about Facebook and memories is one of them. I love the memories. And uh, as the last few days have gone, these memories have popped up of last Easter and how crazy everything was. And we were literally, we had COVID and we were in quarantine. And I was unfortunately one of the, one of the pastors that, that looked like I was on a, a hostage video trying to, <laughs> trying to preach to you guys. I went back, I'd never listened to it. I went back and listened to it and I was like, oh my gosh. We were trying so hard. I'm thankful for everybody that worked and, and made that work because it did. But it was our first time doing it that way. And we were at the house trying to like bounce it off satellites and get it to you guys. And my mouth wasn't moving at the same time. And it was like glitchy. <laughs> I was like, it was super sketchy. But uh, I was curious of what I talked about then. And I talked about the trip, uh, the, the trip to Emmaus and how Jesus walked and talked to the, the two guys there um, and the conversation that they had. And it was really cool. I, I really appreciated my sermon from last year a little bit, what I could understand because it was all jobbled up. But um, I remembered that and wanting to move further with it, but I never did. So we're going to take that from last year and we're going to move further with it today. Um, so... Uh, after Jesus did rise, he was, uh, a couple of his disciples were walking, and he walked next to them, and he began to talk to them, and they didn't know who he was, but he took the time to, like, explain to them everything that had happened, because they, they thought he was crazy. He was like, do you not know what's going on? Like, Jesus is dead. And they were talking to him. They didn't realize it at the time. They are like, he's gone, you know, and they don't know where he is. We, we were just, like, stressed out, and he said, and Jesus took the time, and it was a long, I don't remember how many miles, maybe seven-mile journey. Jesus walked with them. And I always thought that was such a cool thing that I always overlooked. That he just walked with them and explained to them. He said he went all the way back to Moses and talked about the prophets and all the all the prophecies and what was going on and like basically explaining the gospel to them right there on that road. And I, I love that picture because it's such a beautiful picture of who Jesus is and how personal he is. He took the time just to talk to him and tell him. And so we're going to come up on the tail end of that. That's what I talked about last year. Hopefully you got a couple bits of it <laughs> in between all the glitches. Um, but we're in Luke 24, 25. And uh, he says, uh, he said to them, how foolish are you, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all, all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses 
and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So he's explaining them on the road and explaining all these things to them. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. So I assume he was kind of, we call like telephone cord. He's like, okay, well, I'm going to talk to you guys later. He was kind of stretching out like he was going to walk. And they said, uh, stay with us. And they urged him strongly. They said, stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he obliged. He went with them and he stayed with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them, like a breakfast burrito. No. <laughs> he took bread, and he gave it to them, and he broke bread, and he gave it to them, and they were sitting down and eating. And he says, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. What? <laughs> Where'd you go? And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talk, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Now, let's stop here. Lots of things are happening right now, and it seems like not a lot go together, but they really do. So he sits down and he eats with them. Why does he eat with them? Why is it important that he broke bread with them and ate with them? Well, if you go back in Scripture, you can see when they were being criticized about eating on the Sabbath, and Jesus defended them, saying, look, when the bridegroom's with them, they don't need to fast. This, is, to me, is a picture, is trying to show them of what's going on and what's about to happen when the Holy Spirit comes, is that they're not going to have to feel this distance between Jesus and them, between God and them, he's saying, look, we're going to sit down and eat because they were probably hungry if they were fasting because their Jesus was gone, right? So he sits down and he eats with them. And then, he, and then I love the picture when, when it says, we're not our hearts burning when he, was, when he was teaching us and telling us about the scriptures. Man, I love that because I feel like that this gap between when Jesus died, resurrected, and then he sends his Holy Spirit at Pentecost, that there's this, this longing, this needing for Jesus and when, he, when Jesus is there talking to them, he's not quite in the place where he's the Holy Spirit and he can be everywhere all the time, but it's almost like he's giving a taste of that. He is leading them. He is teaching them. What does the scripture tell us about the Holy Spirit? That he's going to remind us of these things. The Holy Spirit will be his advocate, his comforter. The Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. And he's walking with them, playing the kind of inter, like interim <laughs> Holy Spirit, which he is, and he is explaining things to them. And what's happening? Their hearts are burning. Why are their hearts burning? Because they desire that. The same thing we all desired before we came to salvation. We needed something. We didn't know what it was. And then when we tasted it, we thought, that's it. This is what I need. Amen. And so he's saying, this is, our hearts were burning. Where our hearts not burning, we were walking with him. This, and, and it says his, their eyes were open to who he was. God, that's awesome. Verse 33, they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has, and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what, what had happened to them on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Why did he say that? He just popped up out of nowhere. <laughs> and they would have been a little freaky, and they were afraid. They were genuinely being persecuted at the time. And so he said, Peace be with you. They were afraid. They weren't sure what was going on. Their Savior had died, and they, weren't, they still, in their heads... And, and to give you a little backstory, that and we talked about this. Uh, um, me and me and Brian talked about this this morning, and we kind of discussed. You know, did did the disciples uh, have more knowledge and understanding of Jesus before or after he died and sent the Holy Spirit? Well, after, obviously, they really got it then when the Holy Spirit came, and they were they had boldness and and all that stuff. But before, you see how frustrated people were with them because they don't get it. They were like, we don't understand. We don't understand this kingdom talk. We don't understand the spirit stuff. We want you to take over 
you know, and, and we're oppressed by, by Rome and we want to be the new geopolitical leaders and you should come in on a white horse with a sword and Jesus say, no, my kingdom looks different than that. My kingdom is a kingdom of the spirit. My kingdom is a kingdom that I serve and I, I, I sacrifice and I love. And so they're still trying to figure this thing out, right? The disciples are still confused. So they're afraid. They're like, we don't, we don't know where Jesus is and we're stressed out about this thing and we're afraid. He says, no, peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Verse 37. They were startled and frightened, obviously, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is myself. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? I think it's funny. He's like, hey, they're still confused and they're in amazement. He's like, hey, you guys got anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Awesome. And he took it and he ate in their presence. And you've, you've got to see this is the same picture he's painting. There's no, when you're with the bridegroom, you don't have to worry about this distance and this fasting to try to draw near to him. He's with you. And so he's saying, look, it's okay. We can sit down and eat. And I can imagine that they were hungry. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that, it, that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. Here it is again. This, I think, I believe this is a glimpse into the way that the Holy Spirit is going to be able to, not going to be able to in the time it was going to be able to, but the way the Holy Spirit speaks to us now, today. This is a glimpse to them of what is to come, right? So he's saying, he is the one that opens their eyes to understand the scriptures. This is the key that we, we have to find ourselves uh, I've seen so many uh, debates and arguments over um, people who are, are so um, so passionate about just uh, digging into Scripture and understanding more and having more knowledge, biblical knowledge, which is a very good thing. And then people that say, well, I want to be led by the Spirit, as though those two things are going in different directions. They're not. They never are. Those two things are needed, and they need to be together. Why were their hearts burning? Because Jesus was telling them the Scriptures. He was telling them the Word. The Word is powerful but you need the Spirit so that he can help you see. He says, look, you need your eyes opened. You need the Holy Spirit for your eyes to be open to these things. You can't understand spiritual things without spiritual eyes, right? This is why a lost person can't understand this type of relationship we have with the Father, and we shouldn't expect them to. It is, it is, it is horrible, and I see it too many times, for Christians to, to, to jump on people and give them such a hard time about seeing things from a different perspective when they have no ability to see things the way that you do. They don't have the spirit. Why criticize and, and try, to, try to make people feel bad about something that they don't have instead of offering, offering the solution to their problems? This is the problem that I had before I got saved when I would go to church. People would just point fingers at me and tell me I was bad and I was wrong and I need to get right. But many of them never told me the way to get right. Look, I, I don't know about you, but I was not seeking God when he found me. I wasn't looking for him. He ran me down. He, he made himself known to me, right? This is what he does. He opens our eyes to the truth of the gospel. His Holy Spirit is not timid. He's not afraid. His love is powerful. His grace is incredible. So he says, then he opened their minds so that they can understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 
You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with the power from on high. What is that power from on high? The Holy Spirit. He tells them, do nothing. Don't do anything until you get this Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need it. How can we do anything without him? This is where, when, when we try to go out, this is what religion does. Religion tries to mimic something that it's not. Relationship just lives out what it is. Relationship says, I'm a son, I'm known, and I'm known by the Father, and I know him, and I live out that life. That's completely different than, than trying to be something that you're not. That is absolutely miserable, and I did it for years. I don't know if you did, but I tried to be something that I wasn't. It's, it's, it's one of the most miserable things to try to get into a room that you're already in. John 14, 25 says, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Not, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you'll be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I've told you that now before it happens, so that when it does, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me. But he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Let's stop right there. This word father is so powerful, even in, in, in just earthly terms of, of how we respect and honor a father and how you know, sons and daughters desire to have a relationship with a father. The reason is, the reason he says this and it's so clear to me is that another, another uh, misunderstanding I had was that Father God was angry at us and Jesus just stepped in between so that he could fix that thing, that God in his heart wanted to pour his wrath, wanted to pour his wrath out on us, that he wanted to smite us. And it says over and over and over again, this is not the Father's heart. Jesus says, I only do what, what I see the Father do. My heart is what the Father's heart is. From the beginning of time, he's always wanted to reconcile this. From the time we fail to, to today, it's always been reconciliation in his heart. He's not just saying this so that he's, he's like taking, he's not taking responsibility for it. He's saying it so that you know that it's not just Jesus as though he's separate from God. This is what God wanted. Like I said after worship, it wasn't God so hated the world that he gave his son. It was because he so loved the world that he gave his son. It was because he loved us that he, he genuinely sacrificed himself on our behalf. When I teach the youth, I tell them the covenant was like a handshake with himself because we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain. The old covenant just wasn't working. And so he said, okay, that's not working. I'm going to step in and I'm going to take care of, of your half on behalf of you. <laughs> and he made a deal with himself. It was like he shook his own hand and said, all right, you guys couldn't hold up your end, so I'm going to hold up your end for you. That's not hate. That's not wrath. That's love. That's compassion. That's grace. He gives of himself for us. That's, that's the truth of the gospel. That's the Father's heart for you. So now when you look, when you pray, you don't just pray to Jesus. You can pray directly to the Father. Why? Because he gave you direct access. He, t he tore the veil where from top to bottom. We couldn't do that. He tore the veil. He made a way. We want, we as humans, we desire substance. In the old covenant, they could, and it's gross to think about, but this is the way the covenant worked. They could take the sacrifice, and they would cut the sacrifice, and they would burn the sacrifice, and they could, 
They would go to the temple. They could see these things, and Jesus is trying to let them see, even in the fact that he disappears, he's trying to let them see this kingdom is going to be something that's not meat or drink. It's not going to be traditions. It's going to be something that you're not necessarily going to see all the time, but it's going to be the faith that you have in me. It says faith is what? The substance. Faith is not just some, some fairy tale that you just believe in. Faith is the substance. The kingdom is the substance. What we have is real. And it's not just this, this ritual that we do. We go to church on Sunday. We go to church on Wednesday. We give a tithe. We go through the motions. This is not what, God, this is not what Jesus died for us to live. He died for us to live a new life to give us new life. Yes, your sins were forgiven. Man, it was so beautiful yesterday. The water was really cold. But it was so beautiful when we gave baptisms uh, uh, at the Decostas. We, we <clears throat> even with the river in the background, thinking about all the sins being washed away, and when we come, when we come out of the water, we, we are identifying with Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection. So many times we preach the death and burial about the forgiveness of sins, but we don't talk about the resurrection. We always want to talk about it as though it's something that's going to happen way off in the future when that's already happened in your heart if you're born again. This is something that should radically change the way we live our lives day to day. If you put that off till someday in glory land, you're going to be like these disciples and not do anything. You're going to act, you're going to act as though you don't have this Holy Spirit. Please don't do that. You have, you have the same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead in you. You were walking, talking temples. Because of what Christ did, you now carry him everywhere you go. You see these disciples that were timid and scared and afraid, skip forward a few, a few books into Acts in the early church, you're going to see boldness. Why are you going to see boldness? Because they carried the Holy Spirit. They had not just Jesus to walk with them on a road for seven miles, but they have Jesus moment by moment and day by day to lead them and guide them and comfort them and give them the boldness that they have to minister to people, to care for people, to love people, to lay down their lives for people the same way he did. And they do. And they do. John 20, 24 says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers, there we are again. We want to we see it. We want to touch it. We want to feel it. He says, Put my hands inside. I will not believe. Those are very powerful words. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He said to Thomas, put, Thomas, put your fingers uh, put your fingers here in my hand. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's us. Blessed are us <laughs> that we have not seen and put our hands in his side and touched the holes in his hands, but that we now believe because we have that substance, that faith. John 6, 28 says, then this is, this is what we're talking about, believe. Then, then they, the disciples, asked him, what must we do to do the works, plural, God requires? And Jesus answered them, the work, singular, of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That is the only work we have left. There is no more works to do. He did all the works. It says, I think it's in Hebrews where it says the, uh, where, you know, in the Old Covenant, the, the priest had to give sacrifices day and night, and they had to do this over and over again, and none of them were good enough for our sins. They could never hold up. And it says, Jesus doesn't have to do that. He sits down because his work is finished. Jesus' work is done. He didn't say, it's kind of finished, it's finished, but you need to X, Y, Z. No, it's Jesus plus nothing. <laughs> like, he did it. He did all of it. 
the fear that people have when we say things like that is, well, why do we do anything at all? If he's done it all, why do we do anything at all? We get to co-labor with him. Amen. If, it's, what an honor. If, if you have not, if, if you do not see the, the value and the truth of walking of walking and talking with God on a day-to-day basis, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know any other way to persuade you because I don't think there is any other way. Um, something we, <clears throat> we talked about in youth, well, we ended up talking about in youth. I wasn't really going that direction. We ended up kind of getting there. <laughs> and I, we're going to try to continue that conversation that's coming up Wednesday. But the kids were asking questions about different things, and eventually it led to some of the sins, and it was like uh, pornography and drug use and different things like that. And uh, Brian and I even talked about this again this morning as we were talking about it. And we need to stop. We don't even need to call it pornography. We, pornography, we need to call it uh, trafficking because essentially that's what it is. Because what we need to see behind what we're seeing that's going on on the surface is that people are being hurt and destroyed by what's going on. We need to have enough love for those people to look past our own selfish desires to see the truth of what's going on. In the same way, when we walk and talk with Christ, he gives us these spirit eyes <laughs> so that we can see people differently than the way that we perceive them because the way we perceive them is broken, because we're broken, right? When we perceive people, we don't see them at their full potential. We see them in their brokenness. But when we see them with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit sees them in fullness, and we can speak life into them. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying. Oh, agree. <laughs> if you're visiting here, we talk. So if you raise your hand, you're going to get a microphone. All right. So <clears throat> after, after Andrew gets the microphone. So... All right, so the work of God is this, to believe. That's all you have left to do is believe. Verse 30, so they asked him, what sign then will you give, will you give that we may see and believe you? Once again, they want, they want some substance. They want to see a sign. They want to see something. And you can't blame them. We do the same thing. We're just as guilty of this. What will you do? Our ans- and they go back. Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as is written. He gave them bread from, from heaven to eat. And man, Jesus is like, oh, man. He doesn't play around. Jesus says to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread of heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Man, he's not like playing around. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Still thinking physically. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whew. What a paradigm shift. This is the way our lives should change. When we stop saying, Lord, give me something. Lord, Lord, show me something. Lord, do something. When we change our perspective and say, Lord, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you that you are the bread of life. Lord, thank you that you are the substance of which all things flow. Lord, you are the reality that we live in. Lord, you are the source of everything that we do. Do you see the shift there? He says, no, I'm not giving you anything. I am. (laughs) I'm that thing you need. You think you need this relationship with this person. You think you need this money. You think you need this this success. You think you need this. You think you find value in all these things or these whatever you want to paint in in your box. And he says, no, I'm the one you really need. I'm the one that you desire. I'm the one that really is burning in your heart. You may think it's something else. You may feel a certain way. But I'm telling you, those feelings will come and go, but I will never go. 
I will never leave you and forsake you. And you will never go hungry and you will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will, will come to know me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Lord, forgive us if we've ever driven someone away from our own brokenness. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this, and he says it so clearly here, this is the Father's will. It's not, he's not angry at you. This is the Father's will. It's in verse 39 it says, This is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of these that he's given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks, on, looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. That's the Father's heart for you and for everyone you come in contact with. It's not your job to fix everyone. It's not your job to, to be able to explain every intricacy and every detail of the Bible. It's good if you can. But your job is to proclaim the good news. It's a proclamation. It's a declaration. And with it goes, if you have the Holy Spirit, with it goes the Holy Spirit. And where it goes, it never returns void. We talked last week about casting seeds. There should be nothing stopping you from casting seeds. If you're results-oriented and you want to see those seeds grow, it's not a bad thing, but be patient. God's patient with you. <laughs> be patient with others. Cast seeds everywhere you go. Proclaim the good news of the gospel. It's the sword that Jesus gave us. It's the sword that the Holy Spirit... It's the only weapon we have. <laughs> We don't, we don't have the luxury of, of pulling a real sword out of our sheath and fighting in the flesh. We don't have that luxury as Christians. We, we fight in the Spirit. We war in the Spirit. And we fight a battle that's already been won. We've been discussing gifts of the Spirit leading up to this, and I thought, well, man, where are we going to go from there? What better to talk about the gift of the Spirit? the greatest gift there is, and it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But he gives it freely. Man, one of the most difficult things, as, as, and it may be for many of you too, I don't want to just say it's because I'm an adult male, but it was, it's always been difficult for me to receive a gift. Um, and I think some of that, some of that comes from our culture too. Um, you know, when you go to dinner and somebody wants to pay, you like about getting a fist fight. No, I'm going to pay. No, I'm going to pay. And you like wrestle over it or whatever. But I think one of the most beautiful things and one of the most loving things you can do is be able to, not, not expect necessarily, but be able to receive a gift. It's something that the gospel had to teach me. I couldn't learn that just from people. But the gospel had to show me that it's okay to receive a gift. If someone wants to bless you, receive it and just say thank you. There's nothing wrong with it. In the same way, this was even this was equally as difficult because of the way that I grew up. I like to, I like buy and sell things, and I always try to, you know, provide for my family and, and work and do different things like that. But there's times when I want to be generous, and I think, man, I worked really hard for this, and I have to remember it doesn't matter. I, I work hard so that I can be generous and I can bless somebody else with the same way that I've been blessed. Good, because I wouldn't have any of it without Christ anyway. Amen. Tracy helped me with some of that. I used to not be a very good tipper. And she, and she would always look over my shoulder and she was like, mm. 
It took me a while to realize that, you know what, I really do need to, and, I, and I've grown in that more and more. I try to plan out ahead, can we afford to go out to eat and include that tip with it because they don't make a lot of money. And I've worked in the food industry and served people, and it's tough. It's hard work. That's just a little part of it. I'm just saying recognize those areas when we, when we walk out this life in, in, with Christ, the privilege that we have to do it is not that we say, well, Jesus did it all. I don't have to have to do anything. It's Jesus did it all, so now what I do, he's done all the heavy lifting. I just get to enjoy the fruit. And you know what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's all good. Man, I, got, I went to a friend's house one time, went to visit out of town, and he's not a Christian, but he had all the fruits of the Spirit on the wall, and he didn't even know that's what it was. It just had them all listed, like on this, you know, like Hobby Lobby thing or something. <laughs> and I mentioned it to him. I was like, you know, that's the fruit of the Spirit. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, all those things. <laughs> Those are fruits of the Spirit. He's like, well, that's cool. <laughs> I just thought that was neat. Um, but the Holy Spirit is a gift. It's nothing that we earn. You'll get no closer when it says, when you receive him, you, you will no longer hunger and thirst. I can't tell you how many endless, man, almost endless times that I tried to come up to some steps at a church or confess all these different things to God to try to make him okay with me, <laughs> to, to think that, if there was something else I could do, that I would just, I would do it. And, man, I, I, I think the Lord was gracious in that, and I think he thought, oh, that's sweet. That's, isn't that cute? Isn't that cute? I've already done this. But thank you. And I think that's the way he looks at it. Look, I don't, I'm not saying that you don't need to be um, appreciative of it and thankful for it. And maybe sometimes it moves you to get down on your knees and, and get down on your face and just worship him for it. But we have to recognize the difference between worship and thanksgiving and trying to, trying to get something from him. He's given you everything in Christ. He's given you the greatest gift he could ever give, and that's himself and the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't waste another moment trying to get any closer than you are to him because you're as close as you'll ever be if, you, if you've been born again. What you need to focus on is sharing that with other people. It's the Great Commission. It, in, in a nutshell, it's you sharing what you've got. But you have to know, I always say, you have to know you have to, you have, have $10,000 in your pocket to be able to give someone else $10,000. Know that you are holy and righteous and known by God if you carry his Holy Spirit. Share that with other people. It's what they need. I love the way Buddy said it a few weeks ago. He said, all the answers to, to all the world's problems that you see it on social media and on the news and everywhere else is right here in the gospel. It's right there. It's right there in front of us. All of the answers to all the questions are there, and you guys carry it around with you. In a clay jar, we call it like Dixie cups. We're like Dixie cups walking around here with the Holy Spirit of God. Spill out on somebody. Share it with somebody. Refocus when we say, oh, well, Jesus did it all, so we don't have to do anything. No, Jesus did it all. Now get busy sharing it, that he did it all. <laughs> Announce it to everybody. Look, God loves you. The Father loves you. He's not angry at you. He's happy. He's pleased. He wants you to know him. He's done all the heavy lifting. He's done all the hard work for you. Wait, we have a microphone. One of my favorite things you've ever said in reference to that was from that movie. Uh, oh, what was the name of it? The Will Ferrell and the Kicking soccer. And screaming. Yeah. And he says, do we have to take these? No, you get, you to, get take to take these. these. <laughs> it, was all those, uh, <laughs> it was all those birds. <laughs> all those little birds. We have to keep these? No, you get to keep those. <laughs> I think one of them got salmonella. That's a funny movie. Um, so yeah, you get, you get to be a part of this. I always, I, I always jokingly but seriously say, um, I just, I'm just happy to be in the room. I don't have to be the guy. 
I'm not trying to be this big anointed person that runs around and everybody comes to me and I pray for them, although I'll pray for anybody that, that needs prayer. But I just want to be there. Man, I just want to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. If it's our metal building in Westmobile, I'm fine with that. If it's at a house somewhere, I'm fine with that. If it's having dinner, it doesn't matter. If it's in a pool, <laughs> it don't matter where it is. Yes, we had bubbles. Man, I want to tell you this real quick before you say anything. Yeah. If, you ever, <laughs> if you ever go to any other church that has baptisms, you will never have a baptism <laughs> like we had. Because we had bubbles, like tons of bubbles while we were being baptized. It was awesome. So I don't know how we're going to top this. It was bubbling joy. It was bubbling joy. There you go. I wasn't going to say anything, but when you were talking about the scripture where it says he was eating with them. Yeah. And it says, and then their eyes were opened. There's a couple of other passages of scripture where Jesus would be feeding them and he would tell them a truth and they would be like, aha. They would have that aha moment, Mm -hmm. which I think is interesting because some of the time it happened around community. Mm -hmm. It happened around fellowship. It happened around food or fish or whatever you want to eat. Right. And so I think that's also really important, um, like in the book of Acts, when the, when the Spirit was poured out. But it talks about how they went from house to house, yep. and they broke their bread, and they gladly shared their life, and they fellowship, and they spoke of things old and new. And it says, and praising God, their numbers grew. Yeah. And so if there's anything that I have found in my life through this whole COVID season, the power of the small thing the community, just a handful of people in your house yeah. um, to share life with. You don't have to have a Bible study. Just eat some food, and Jesus will come out, and the and and stories will come out, and prayers will come out, and life will come out. Um, anyway, just it's, it's a well, it's, it's a very cool. natural, it's a very natural thing exactly. when you share the love of God with other people that more people want that, right? Man, I was even reminded of last year when we were in quarantine. Um, several of you guys, you guys brought us tacos and uh, the Birches brought us Easter eggs and dye and just left them on the porch disinfected and everything. And, you know, th- that's, that's the love of God shared with other people. That's, that's people caring for other people. And it's not that the people didn't do it, that they need to feel bad about it. It was just, for whatever reason, you guys felt it on your heart to bring us. And I mean, I never, I'm not really good at asking for that kind of stuff, but it was such a blessing to see it happen like right in front of us. Um, even we were talking this morning, uh, we were in there and Fred came in and we started talking and Fred had revelation of something and we we're like, what I'm talking about is happening right in front of us. Like Fred's eyes were open to the scripture and we we're like, oh, this is happening right now. Like we get to experience this. But yes, when you sit down, like Jesus would just sit down and talk to people. He was, I think, I genuinely think he had stuff to do. Like, <laughs> like he had plans. And, and, the, and he was like, all right, well, I'll talk to you guys later. And they're like, no, 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 come eat with us. And Jesus said, all right, I'm gonna, I'll sit down and eat with you. I mean, it seems like a simple thing, but this is the God of the universe. I said, you know what, I'll take time. I'll take time. There's something I can't tell you guys yet. Stay tuned. But there's something going on right now that is miraculous in, in every way, shape, and form that we've, our family has been dealing with for and you guys know, some of you guys know what's going on, but we've been struggling and dealing with where, where we're going to live, what we're going to do, and there's some things happening right now that is only God could really make this happen. Uh, because it hasn't happened yet, but we're, we're believing that it is, and I, I, every time we turn around, I see God in it. Like, I mean, we're in the middle of talking about what's going on, and we're just praying, and I don't know, it's just really cool. So, yeah, hopefully have some real good news pretty soon. But... Um, but but all all that to say that there's some specific hello 
specifics and what's going on that are very personal to me and to Tracy and to our family. And that's how God works. God says, I know you. I know what you need. I know what you enjoy. I know what you like. I know everything about you. More than you even think I know, I know. And he says, I, I, I will completely demonstrate that on, on a day-to-day basis. And I'm telling you, even this year more than ever, I saw lots of other people seeing the same thing. On Saturday, people would post things on Facebook, and I'd hear from different people. And even I was, when I was praying, I would, I would feel this too, is that time between the burial and resurrection when there was just kind of a rest and thinking, we can rest because we know that God's got this taken care of. As, as a dad and a husband and, you know, and, and trying to think about all these things, the stresses of life will get, will get to you. And, you know, I, I'm just as susceptible as you are to let those things happen. And, man, specifically yesterday, the Lord allowed me to rest. Like, he, he gave me rest. And uh, it's funny because we went back, um, we went back to, to a house that we had for a few years. And I remember, for whatever reason, I never really rested at that house. And I don't think it was anything particular. But for the first, it was, it was odd, but for the first time ever, I rested. I remember sitting on the porch, and I thought, wow, this is, this is awesome. And it's such a beautiful family to, to have it and, and include us to be able to come back. And I thought, how cool on this Saturday. You know, I, it almost kind of felt full circle, like, wow, I can, I can rest. And then, like I said, some things I don't want to say just yet, but some things just began happening all right around, you know, Easter, around the Easter's. Anyway, God is good. I can't, I'm not, I won't spill the beans yet, but God is good. Continue to pray for us and don't, don't hesitate to share the good news. You don't have to know everything to love. You just have to love. People will recognize it, and the church will grow. It's a very natural progression. Yeah. I was listening to somebody's testimony. I said, oh, how did you meet Jesus? Because, you know, if it's a married couple, how did you meet each other? And if not, then how did you meet Jesus? Because those are always great stories. Yeah. And um, when they got saved, they were living in uh, some sin, and they were uh, meeting the Lord in their living room, them and their husband. And um, so then they just started sharing. Oh, my goodness. Like, they were raised in church. They knew the Lord. And um, <clears throat> they're just like, they just started sharing with people. Oh, my goodness. You know, like, it, it, it says that all the sin can be gone and you can know the Lord. Like, it was just almost involuntary. That it just is, it's, it's not you have to, it is you get to. It's yeah. just like, if you won the lottery, wouldn't you say, oh my gosh, look at that. Right, tell lottery. everybody, right? It, it's yeah. just, you want to tell us all about what God's doing. And you're like, oh, timing, okay, you know. You just get so excited. <laughs> Jesus can't not be shared. Right. If you meet him, you can't not share him. That's right. If he's done something, you can't not say. That's and right. And it's going to look different for you to do it than for you to do it than for me to do it. Yeah. But that's because you have people that you're supposed to talk to. I have people I'm supposed to talk to. Right. You can't not share. Right. And, and to that point, too, one of the things I wanted to talk about was how specific, I think, God, even in, in some of the things that are going on now, how specific God is to me personally. And my, my mom's here. She could attest to this. My first uh, little toy car that, that was motorized, I immediately, I played with it for a minute, and I immediately did what? Took it apart. I, just, I took it completely apart into pieces. I wanted to see how it worked. I wanted to, you know, I broke half of them trying to figure it out. But I would, I would take them apart, and I would figure out what's going on inside. And I've done that up to this, to this day. I do the same thing with almost everything that I have. i got to figure out how it works. And if I can improve upon it or change it or make it more my own, I always tinker with things, and it's always been something. And in doing so, the Lord has placed me in lots of other people's lives who have similar interests. 
Um, and, and it's not that I target those people and like, oh, I'm going to go do this and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to share the gospel with them. It was very natural, just like you're saying. When we're talking about cards and stuff, I'm like, oh, this reminds me of this thing. And then we talk about it and then it comes up. How could it not come up? He's such a part of my life. This isn't going to, not like, hey, I want to invite you to church, although that's good. It's saying, no, this is, this is who I am and it's going to come up and it, every conversation is going to eventually end up there. I mean, it just is. So I'm going to reach people that you can't reach. You're going to reach people that I can't reach. It's why we've been been purposely designed this way. So anyway, I'm taking, I'm, I know I want you all to have some family time, so I'm going, to, I'm going to wrap up. So if you'll stand up with me, I want to pray for you guys. I want you to have a wonderful Easter hangout if you want to. We usually do in the, take pictures in front of the cross. It's awesome. There's some extra flowers if you want to put some extra ones up there. Um, but I just want to pray. Father, Lord, I thank you for the, the gospel, which is the good news. It is we don't have to convince people of it. We just need to declare it. Um, Lord, we just need to share the love that you've given us and the truth of the gospel and the good news of who you are. And Lord, your Holy Spirit will do the rest. Lord, we throw the seeds and someone else may water, but you're the one that makes them grow. Lord, you're the one that reaches out. You're the one that, that reached out to us and met us right where we were, right in the middle of our sin and every, all of our junk and all of our mess. Lord, you reached out and you pulled us near to you. Lord, thank you for that. Help us to recognize that in other people and see people the way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen.